Hey everybody and welcome to an all new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. I'm Andy. Sitting right next to me here at the dining room table is Jenny. Hello. And uh, 111 mile, 101 miles to our southwest is Megan. Hello. Now Megan, I always say that you're 101 miles to my southwest, but you know, and I used to say 111, but I had the number wrong. Um, actually, in doing a big re-listen to the Elite Beat, I started with 101. Somehow, in my head, it became 111, and then it took like a year for me to go and back and and and, and you know Google Maps that again. But off offline, I told you it was 101. Well, you're always right, so I should listen to you. Happy um, wife, happy life. <laughs> so, but my question for you is because I know that like despite being only 101 miles to our southwest. You also live in England. But I was wondering, did you maybe did you maybe move back to the States to watch Dynamite last night? I didn't move back. I just took a vacation back to the States, <laughs> back to my hometown of Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio. And uh, I did. I did that. And I watched it on TNT. And I got to enjoy all of the commercials, and it really, their picture-in-picture, picture, I don't think it's restaurant quality, JR. It's not. I could not keep my attention on it, despite trying. I, I kept looking over, but you know what? The commercials were distracting, and I didn't want to watch them, and they took up most of the screen. So this week, I don't have, it, it felt like I missed a whole section of show when the picture in picture was occurring. And that really annoyed me mostly for the main event because it's like, why? Why would you do that, sir? And they weren't like, well, we'll get into it, but they weren't even, they weren't taking it easy during the picture in picture on the main event either. They were doing stuff. Yeah, that was the most annoying part. Like, come on. I get it when you're doing the kind of the lower in the card or the earlier in the night matches where, okay, I was enjoying the Seidel, uh, Darius Martin, Dante Martin, one of the Martin brothers. I was enjoying that match, but when they went to picture in picture, I didn't feel like I was missing out. When I didn't yeah, watch, they down. yeah, they were like, "Hey, we understand there are commercials occurring," and apparently, I got a lot of advertisements for wine. I want to say that's because TNT is creeping on me and definitely knows my browsing habits. But uh, I don't know about you guys. I don't know. I feel like we. I can't think we watched on the t- on the TV, so we didn't get. Um, specific commercials to us. Uh, I got targeted ads, and then at some point uh, when they they showed me the same one repeatedly, and then they just ran out of targeted material apparently because at the end of one commercial segment, it just had the TNT logo and said, "Currently live TV is having commercials. We'll be back." <laughs> like, oh, okay. Well, you know, uh, I'm very glad that you haven't uh, abandoned the UK entirely. It sounds like you'll be back there uh, soon after this experience, but uh, we'll talk more about it. But before we do, let's uh, let's start with what we start with every week. Our Elite Beat Pop of the Week. All right, Jenny, what, did, what do you have this week? Well, I have beer. I have a crack of the week. So I've got a Land Grant Lemon Glow Citrus Pale Ale. Mm. So Land Grant Brewing Company is based out of Columbus, Ohio. Its brewery name is uh, from the Ohio State University using a land grant to set up the public university. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, it says that this is a zesty, luminous, hazy pale ale. Oh. Okay. Brewed not with actual lemons. Oh. But oh no, it's variety. it's losing magic. Lemon drop. Huh. Hmm. Okay. It sounds really delicious from your description. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, I also have a beer this week. I have a a Rock Mill Petite Saison. Uh, Rock Mill is a brewery out of uh, Lancaster, Ohio, and uh, it is best paired with sunshine. <laughs> is what the label literally says. So uh, there's no more literature on the can itself. So let's just hear. It. That was a rough opening. Yeah. What is um, a petite saison? Uh, variety. Um, petite saison means little session, <laughs> and uh, I don't. I don't know. Don't know. Let me Google petite saison real quick. I mean, I did my googling before my pop. Oh, good. For I'll, you. I'll say I, I like a saison. I don't know that I've had a petite saison. It is a uh, farmhouse ale. Is what is uh, is the varietal. Yes. I think an ale tells you what, kind of what you're expecting. Yeah. I don't know. Mine was also an ale. Mine was a hazy pale ale, which I think means unfiltered. I like the can that you have, Jenny, because it's got lemons all over it. Looks pretty cool. It is well, pretty too. It's lemon and blue. Very and blue. Yeah, very summery over there. It's a good thing you've got sunshine behind you. Otherwise, I don't think that beer would taste as good. Yeah, we would pair it correctly. <laughs> All right, Megan, what do you have? Um, well, I'm sticking with sparkling wine, but I have a cracker this week as well because I'm drinking the Underwood Brut Rosé Budget Champagne with sparkling wine. You can't call it champagne. So. Nice. Now, do, do you, you've had this before. Did you like it? Yes, Jenny, I know in my heart that if you drank it, you'd be like, Bleh. but um, I have a lower budget palate most of the time. So to me, this tastes good. I I normally get both the um, the Brut Rosé and the just regular Brut, uh, but they apparently didn't have it at Kroger this week. Oh. So I'm sticking with the Brut Rosé. Was your uh, $10 mum finally out of stock? No, but for some reason, Kroger's delivery system was like, I'm sorry, we have to pair, like put this and like some random other item into a separate order for another $10 delivery fee. And we couldn't figure out why. So I just had to abandon that this week. But it's still priced at an affordable $12.01. What? what was the other item? Was it another alcoholic item? Nope, it was deli turkey. So, Croker, I don't know what's going on with you, but yeah, let me down this week. That's all I have to say. So, how did you get the, um, there was something on my beer. It's just the coffee, the ground <laughs> coffee was on the lid of my corksicle. So See? I little coffee grounds in my beer. Oh, you're adding layers of flavor. <sighs> you're turning it's it into a porter. Mm -hmm. All right, we got stuff to get into today, so let's let's go ahead and do it. Let's talk about being the elite. Uh, this episode this week was the 261st episode of Being the Elite. It was called The Trip, 
And uh, let's see. We start out uh, Young Bucks and Good Brothers. Uh, what do you think of Carly Anderson's Sour Boy character? Again, he's done it a couple of times now. I don't think it's funny as they think it is. I thought he was doing a Robert De Niro impression the first time. That's what it looks like. Yeah. But I think it's just someone who tastes something really sour. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's not offensive to me. I don't care. I'm glad he's not talking about his dick while he's doing it. But I just feel like they're they're all cracking up in the shot. And I don't, I don't see it. It's just not hitting me with that same comedic flair, I guess. I like nothing about Carl Anderson. <laughs> uh, we had trick shots with Nick Jackson. And uh, Nick threw fish to a seal. Yeah, Which that really, was like, fun. The seal's doing all the work on that one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I thought he was. This was maybe like his vacation week, literally, where yeah. he just had to sort of chuck it over his shoulder, and the seal was like, "Don't worry, I'll move. I got you. I want that fish enough. I'll get it." Yeah. We had a uh, Marco Stud promo where he stumbled over a lot of words on the way to saying that next week there will be a qualifying match for the. Uh, PTE contention, and then the week after that, he will defend the title. Yeah, they put that belt on him too early. He's a little green with his promo. Kid's got to do some work. But I did appreciate that he was literally sitting in a folding chair in the middle of a kiddie pool, and that's his outdoor, I guess, relaxation. Yeah. Is it a kiddie pool for him? Oh. It was. It was. To be fair, he still looked very big when he was in it. <laughs> He's a big boy. <laughs> Uh, so Peter Avalon was uh, talking to Leva and he, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago about the book that he tried to give Leva, but Alex Reynolds jacked it from him and he'd written this nice inscription. So, so, uh, Reynolds ends up giving it to her. He just pops up and says, Hey, Leva, this is for you. And Peter Avalon's about to object, but then Cesar Bononi walks up and hands Peter Avalon, uh, a Kama Sutra book. And Leva assumes that that is the book that was intended for her, and she is disgusted, and she and Alex Reynolds storm off together. I still don't really know why they chose Alex Reynolds as the guy in this, but... <laughs> I don't either. He's so clearly married. He talks about his wife on BTE. And he's already, like, you know, he's... You know, there's always Dark Order stuff every week anyway, so there's, he's, he's already got a role. It's true. I guess they couldn't... I'm trying to think of who else regularly appears on BTE that they could have chosen. Yeah, so the one thing, the one that came to my mind wouldn't work because he's he's part of the Wingman, but I think this would be a perfect role for Hollywood hunk Ryan Nemeth, really. That, yeah, that was the one that jumped to my mind immediately, but obviously you, you don't want to start infighting in their little group. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, once again, I skipped the Vicky, Nyla, and Ryzen segment i never watched i can't i can't get into ryzen uh but i don't know they, I, they have good cosplay i guess yeah i think that's the only thing i'm taking from their segments too because i watched it and basically what happened is they used a ouija board to try to find like their name for their faction and they came up with amen like but a-M-E-N, not the word, like the, uh, whatever you call that. That, yes. And it stands for Angelic Ministry of Embezzling Negotiations, which I don't even think is that great either. Like, I'm, I'm not really sure what they're doing because this also doesn't translate 
too dynamite in any way, which I, uh. I know I've complained that things that happen on BTE that are important to dynamite should not happen on BTE. But this seems completely separate from the vicious vixens who are also a faction doing things on dynamite. Like, I don't really know where they're going with this. It just seems to have petered out. <laughs> yeah. And like Vicky, Vicky is very featured right now on dynamite too. So, and so is Nyla and yeah, but they, it seems like they're living in, like you said, separate realities from their yeah. uh, VTE person, the personas and their uh, dynamite personas. And then Ryzen, I don't think Ryzen's ever appeared on dynamite. Oh, he's been in the crowd. Okay. okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, we had a Matt Hardy uh, promo on Christian Cage, and uh, basically, I don't know, seems like they're definitely going to have a match, probably one of these uh, big on-the-road shows, I would guess. Yep. Uh, and then uh, Trent was uh, Ryan Nemeth's guest on Hollywood Trivia, and might be the last time we see Trent for a long time, as he had neck fusion surgery, uh, as we were, as was mentioned on Dynamite, and, uh, and I don't know that... I don't. So it's been a long time since the likes of Steve Austin and Chris Benoit and Edge and Rhino and Lita had to get neck fusion surgeries. There was a big rash of them in the late '90s, early 2000s. But so maybe the technology has changed a lot and it's improved. But you were looking at about a year on the shelf uh, from that surgery back then. My dad had neck fusion fusion surgery ten plus years ago. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's still fully recovered from it. Yeah. He's also not an athlete. Right. Just the fact that we as humans have figured out a way to fix broken necks and people don't immediately die like in the movies <laughs> fascinates me. And a year sounds like a lot, but considering all that goes into that, that's still pretty amazing that you can bounce back from something like that, even in a year, you know? So hopefully. And continue to wrestle. Yeah. Hopefully, like you said, the technology has advanced and maybe he can get back a little earlier. But if he needs the year, I say take it. You know, Trent, please don't please don't mess with your neck injuries because the them serious business, you know. Yeah. And, you know, if we know anything about uh, old TK, uh, he will Trent will keep getting a check every every uh, pay period for that time he's out. So good. Old TK is nice to his wrestlers, and I, I really am happy for that. Please don't change, TK. Uh, then, then, of course, like the, the meat of the episode is uh, Dark Order. First of all, un- detached, we had Negative One just horribly mocking Ryan Nemeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was very rude. But then the, uh, the, the piece de resistance, uh, Ten was very excited because he had a plate of drugs and he very skillfully navigated a busy hallway trying to like dip and dodge and and get around people and uh, make sure that he didn't spill it anywhere a child is part of his order oh, the there, child, one wasn't there yeah the child was not present for this particular segment this is not this is the opposite of John Cena. And it should be mentioned that the child is literally like best friends with Preston Vance. He loves him. He's his favorite. Well, but that's what I'm saying. This is this puts a bad. This is not a good example. I bet Brody Jr. is not allowed to watch BTE. But he's in BTE, so I'm sure he's watching it. No, I bet he's not allowed to. He probably doesn't care. He can't watch it as long as he gets to like cut promos on people. 
You know, he he seems like he's having a ball. He's 100%. The kids watch whatever they fucking want on YouTube. <laughs> um, so anyway, so he makes, it, he makes it all the way to the Dark Order's lair. But then at the last minute, he trips. Who did he trip over? I think his own feet, okay. honestly. He just stumbled forward. They should have made it five faults, but anyway. Um, he trips and... The, the powder, the drugs go everywhere, and they cover every member of the Dark Order, and they all begin to hallucinate. And we see the hallucinations of all of them. And let's see, uh, Alex Reynolds hallucinated that he had lost his hair, and therefore, like, no longer, you know, was pretty. That was solid bald cap work on their part, too, because I was a little worried that maybe he had shaved his head yeah. for, the, for the gimmick. <laughs> for the 30-second for gimmick. Yeah. Uh, Cole Cabana's was that he was in Chicago and he showed up at the Pro Wrestling Tees store and saw that he had been replaced on the packaging by Taz and, <laughs> and was like very, very upset. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, Stu Grayson uh, was naked and, or mostly naked, and saw visions of Anna Jay. The, but the Anna Jay he had drawn that yes. he called the mystery woman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ten wasn't affected at all. This was nothing. Ten was shopping online yeah. at Target, I think, or something like that. Like, he had his phone on. He's like, ooh, a deal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what, was, what was Uno's? Uno's was like... He was just literally, like, they put the spiral effect behind him, and he was grabbing his, his mask and screaming, and then they, you know, I guess Adam, whoever edits these days, was like did like a squish face sort of deal it was oh, very like much the, just like the painting yeah it was very much like a standard like drug trip scene you'd see in like a 70s movie or something like with a fisheye lens yeah exactly and, and in the background just a rainbow spiral of like ooh, you know things yeah. are out of control and then what was angels uh angels wasn't there okay. remember she walked in at the end um, oh right, right, okay. john silver's he wanted someone to be like hit him. Oh yeah, he just wanted to be abused. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but this is like you know all of this was just haha comedy and good goofy stuff. But the real thing of it was that Hangman, his vision was of the rest of the Dark Order, his friends, his true friends, presenting him with the AEW World Championship. Yeah, they had the belt right there. It glowed. Look yeah. pretty, pretty impressive. It's nice of Kenny to let them use his, his belt for this. Kenny's like, I don't want to hold this all day <laughs> here, please. It's heavy. Now I do know, I do happen to know that this segment in particular uh, was not edited by Brandon Cutler. This was this was Hangman's baby. He he edited every bit of this and put it together. So oh, good for him. I liked yeah. it. Yeah, I liked it a lot, and I, I liked that you know. I don't know. I, I'm feeling. I'm feeling. I'm feeling Hangman Omega all out. I think. I think that's. I think that's the direction. I'm ready to see it. I'm happy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's talk some news. Um, we talked about that Forbes article last week, um, and how AEW is. Profitable on the wrestling end, but overall not because of the investment in the video game. And I guess, like, you know, 
people on Twitter got, you know, you know, like now nah, they're they're a failure. Uh, what? Tony Khan is a money mark. You know that kind of stuff. Oh, Tony, so they were they were just being people on Twitter. Yeah, and unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, Tony Khan, Tony Khan sometimes has thin skin. He does. And, Tony, and, don't engage. So he got upset about it, and he he, he gave an interview to Mike Johnson at a PW Insider uh, about how you know like this is an investment, and you know they like apparently he, he I didn't know this, but he had made a. He had made. He and his dad had made a twenty million invest dollar investment in Epic Games a few years ago, um, and he said that that investment is now worth forty million dollars. So he said, you know, he's not. It's not the first time they're playing in this video game space, and he knows what he's doing. Basically, he just tells everybody to shut up. Okay, I do. You know what? I like that he went and did an interview. I still think it's it's. You gotta let it go, Tony. Yeah. Haters gonna hate. But I'm glad you didn't just report to us that he went on a Twitter tirade a la, you know, our last president and really, really looked like a jackass because that would make me sad. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Cody Rhodes uh, did an interview with GQ. This is uh, and uh, <laughs> I didn't know this, but it makes sense now. So, you know how he does the weight belt thing and he has for years? So the reason he started doing that is because he legitimately has really bad back problems. Um, he says that his pelvis is out of alignment and he has herniated discs in his lower back. So the weight mm. belt, the weight belt thing is not a gimmick. It's uh, then why does he take it off before he wrestles? Well, I think I think you don't have the mobility, but I think he wears it around a lot, like mm. during the day. Um, oh, Cody. Yeah, yeah. That so, sucks. Yes. He also talked in that article about his diet and how um, if you look at his father, you realize that he really has to work hard to, to, to stay in the shape he does. His genes his, are not helping him. His genetics aren't helping out. Yeah, <laughs> <Hey>, Cody. <laughs> um, so uh, that Arthur Ashe Stadium show on the 22nd. Uh, so Tony Khan said that he first started talking to the building about a year and a half ago. Uh, this is from the same interview with Mike Johnson where he was talking about the video game stuff. And he said, you know, obviously the pandemic held things up, but he's very excited about the idea of it because he thinks it'll look really good on TV and he thinks that they can they can really draw a big crowd there. Um, what happened this week was, though, uh, WWE announced that their return to Madison Square Garden for the first time in years will be on like two the two Fridays before that uh, that Wednesday Dynamite. Well, that's not as bad as I thought you were gonna say. <laughs> like Wednesday night. Yeah. <laughs> but like, let's not kid ourselves. The, the obviously the attempt here is to is to like hurt the ticket sales of that Arthur Ashe Stadium event. But I don't know. I honestly, I think I think both shows are gonna sell out. I think that's what's gonna be the result of this because New York is a big ass market. Yeah. Yeah, and there's enough distance. I, uh, when you had initially texted me about this, I I definitely had thought that they were running their show like either whatever the taping night is, Monday or Tuesday or Friday, right in the same week. So this, I think this gives people enough time. And that one stupid Kip, Kip, Kip Sabian Kiss guy is there every single night. He's gonna go to both things. He just is. Did you, uh, did you notice him last night? 
How could I not? He was right up in the camera. <laughs> he leans over. And he's a he's a tall man already, so he doesn't even need to do much to to be like a, an eye catching person. It's like sit down, sir. You are annoying. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just one more item, uh, kind of a late news week, but uh, one more little thing. Yuka Sakazaki of Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling is going to be returning to AEW for July. Um, I think she's staying the whole month, and that'll be fun. And maybe she can finally go for some revenge on Britt Baker for ripping her tooth out that one time. Yeah, that warrants revenge. Yeah. Yeah. I like her. I'm excited to see her again. Yeah, she is the magical girl. Then Jim Ross can ask us every week, what is a magical girl? And Excalibur can sigh and be like, Jim, we've had this conversation Your before. Name, Jim? <laughs> what did half of these nicknames mean? <laughs> There's one other news item, right? Not AEW related. There were more cuts. Oh, oh. So do you want to talk? They're light. Yeah. It's light. It should be it's, quick. Yeah. Let, let's talk about briefly about the WWE cuts. Um, I was saying to Jenny that, you know, at the pace of these cuts and the way that these uh, 90 day cycles go, like if WWE keeps doing this, AEW is going to be able to debut a new act every like once a month, pretty much. <laughs> but I don't think that AEW should pick up all of WWE rejects. Well, no, and they haven't. You know, I picked up a lot of them. Um, we've we, we've gone. We don't need to talk about it again. We've gone through. Okay. I think my perception of how many they picked up is lower than how many they've actually picked up, but they still have picked up quite a lot when we went through that list. Okay. I think as long as they pick up quality people and not just, you know, try to grab everyone who's available just to get them off the market the way WWE did when AEW showed up, I think it's okay. As long as you're making discerning choices with your roster picks. Yeah, and like somebody with like Miro, do you count him as someone they released, or do you count him as someone who they finally like? Because he had asked for his release for a long time, and then finally just finally did it in one. They finally granted it in a big lump of releases, you know. FTR yeah. also, yeah. Yeah, FTR also, yeah. Uh, let's see. Okay, WWE parted ways on Friday with Fandango. So let's talk about that. Any 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 process? Let's talk about both Fandango and Tyler Breeze. Both the. Uh, the fashion, the fashion police, Breezango. I am uh, sure I'm in the minority here, but I actually really enjoyed that little act. And I like Fandango was such a creep on Total Divas, but like in like a fun way to watch a creep. Again, I don't know. I always enjoyed him. I am always pro Dirty Curdy, Johnny Curtis, Dirty Curdy, get weird with it. I I know I shouldn't based on all of the. Um, I don't, I was trying to think, does it work in this day and age, like this year, with everything that's happened since, since that act debuted, but I think yes, because you know what, if I have to listen to Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows talk about their penises constantly, at least Dirty Curdy does it in a fun way, and he's never like sexually harassed anyone, he just gets weird, and if they're not into it, I think he leaves them alone, yeah, <laughs> goes he and finds someone else. just goes thinks in the shower about them, Yeah. while he's in the shower, thinking. Yeah. So... Uh, do, do you do either of you think that this is an act that would fit in in AEW? I think like the best friends and this act would work wonderfully together because there's always trying to pair the best friends with like 
less good. Like, I want some fun, goofy little fun. Like, they just, I don't know. I don't think they know how to use the best friends or they don't have the right other goofy acts to use the best friends with. Like, they're not high enough up on the card to get legitimate wins, but also the people then that they have to win over are kind of just not that great. Yeah. Like, I just don't think they get very compelling or fun storylines when I think the best friends are capable of doing more. And if you get them with another team that's fun and actually funny and can play off of each other, I think it would work well. And you can have, like, fun, lighthearted, goofy fights, you know, um, and storytelling that's, like, feuding but, like, in, in goofy ways. Yeah. Um, but with Trent being out, I don't know. I think that depending on how much of their act they can bring over without ruffling WWE's feathers, I think they would fit in great into the into that level. You know, like I'm not expecting them to win tag team championship titles anytime soon, but they're just a nice lighter act to have around, and I'm sure they would <clears throat> kill on dark. You know, and I think. Even if you split them up, like, Dirty Curdy's character work is great. Love it. Tyler Breeze, I think, is a legitimately good wrestler, and you could probably just have him do a singles run if you wanted to. I think they would be a good get for AEW, and I think they could definitely find things for them to do, either as a team or individual, or both, you know? Like, sometimes the teams take a break from each other. Uh, But I would love to see them there, because they're funny. And I really liked Tyler Breeze in NXT, I don't know if if that like if they would keep the same act or not, but I feel like they would fit in. Are you at all concerned about? Uh, well, let me ask you this: thing. If you had to guess what year Johnny Curtis signed with WWE, what would you say? Two thousand twelve. <laughs> How about? How does uh, 2006 sound to you? What? I was trying to think of the first season of NXT. But it says there that he um, broke out into the Fandango character in 2013. So Megan's also kind of right. I was like his breakout. Yeah, but I was thinking NXT and I, oof, I was wrong about when that started, clearly. (laughs) No, NXT started, that was 2010. So he was in developmental. He was in like Deep South for four years before before uh, even NXT started. <clears throat> yeah, I I don't know. I feel like with him, he's never been bad, but they just don't really know what to do with him. You know, like he seems like he's capable of wrestling, like skill-wise. It's just, right. I don't know. So I, I wouldn't worry about it from that perspective. I mean, they signed Christian. How, when did Christian sign with WWE? <laughs> uh, 1997. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I'm not saying, they're, not saying they're equal. I'm just saying, like, AEW could be the place where, where people actually, like, I don't know, re... Like the phoenix rising from the ashes, you know? Well, yeah. I'd say that Fandango gives off younger energy than Christian gives off energy. Christian's okay. not dead. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, okay, so that's them. Uh, I think you, yeah, I think you kick the tires if you're AEW, at least, 
and just kind of take it for a spin and see if I'll see how it does. Invite them in on that, that like you're not signed yet, but you could still do some work and see how you do, you know? Yeah. You don't have to also, also Breeze, Breeze might have an in because he and Spears run that wrestling school together, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, other than those two, uh, we got Killian Dane, who was an NXT guy who ended up being, uh, he was part of the Sanity stable, so he moved up to SmackDown when that group got moved up. And Sanity was a bit of a disaster on SmackDown. They didn't really do anything with him. And, and now, after all this time, uh, the four members of Sanity, five members of Sanity, uh, Nikki Cross is the only one who's still under contract with WWE. But, uh, Killian Dane, uh, I know he's not your kind of wrestler, Megan. Uh, he's big, big, beefy boy. <laughs> So hairy. He had a so sweater hairy. on, even when yeah. he didn't. I think you know there is a there is a UK indie scene that could probably use um, a guy of his stature because he was a star on that scene before, and you know, and they're they've really been uh, cleaned out by all the pedophiles that uh, uh, <laughs> that were Gosh. populating that industry. So <laughs> he might he might have a he might have a good shot to to revitalize things there. Yeah, I mean, I think despite him not being my type of wrestler, I would make the same arguments I did about Braun Strowman. Like, how many big guys do they already have? Do they really need another one? And last I saw of Killian Dane, he was trying to start shit with Pete Dunne, and I just did not care. And I love love Pete Dunne. Um, so if he wants to go wrestle in the UK Indies, I say more power to you, brother. But I don't really think AEW needs to pick him up. Yeah. Uh, Marina Shafir is cut. Uh, she had not been really wrestling too much of late. Um, I don't know. I was, I was a little surprised just because she's, you know, she's a Ronda buddy. But, I mean, you know, Jessamyn Duke was... Ronda's not there. ...was already cut. Um, yeah, but she's going to come back at some point. Maybe. Did they just never quite pull out what they wanted from those two? Well, I mean, it just got, to, I think, eventually, it got to a point where it was clear they were never going to do horsewomen versus horsewomen. And that seemed to be, like, half of the reason they were signed in the first place, so. So, yeah, so Shayna's, you know, Shayna's fine. She'll she'll make it, because she's Shayna, and she's, she's you know, she's great on her own. But, uh, yeah, I just, I think Shafir and, and Duke, they just, uh. I don't know. They never really seemed when we would see them on NXT. They never really seemed like they were progressing too much. No, they just kept having them run out and be Shayna's lackeys. I feel like I never actually saw them wrestle matches. So I, I don't... did, and it was bad. Oh, and it, but it was early. I saw like their first couple matches, and it was rough. Yeah. Um. Let's see who else here. We've got. Uh, Ever Rise, which is an NXT tag team, but I, I think one that you hadn't seen, Megan. Um, yeah. uh, they, they were actually a former Chikara act, of all things. Um, Arturo Huas, who uh, we knew as Antoine Jaud, uh, oh. a uh, Brazilian uh, guy who's like a MMA fighter type, wore a, wore a Ryu top. <laughs> Yeah, he had kind of the same gimmick as Tay Conti. Uh, I'm Brazilian and good at legit like martial arts. Yeah, yeah. I wear my black belt out to the ring. Yes. 
Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked him. I always enjoyed him, but uh, in the little bit that we got to see him do, but I don't know that there's, I don't, I don't know what his, like he just, he never pro wrestled before WWE. And with guys like that, you never know if they're going to keep doing it or go do something else. I think he'd be uh, great if Tony wanted to keep doing those kayfabe MMA UFC alike fights. You know, he would work so well there. But his style was always so. I'm doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, Tony Nice. I don't care about him. I remember he counted his abs. He had a six pack, and he loved to show it off, but. Yeah. I don't know that he brought much other than being Trent level tan and super jacked. Yeah. I think he's a good wrestler. Uh, I don't, he, he never showed much of a personality in what I saw. Yeah. But he's, he's, he's one of those guys who I think is going to work at like every indie and, and get really good reviews. And I don't know. I can see him. I can actually, actually see him like doing well enough that he just gets brought back to WWE. Yeah, he was very much their type of guy, you know, big and muscly. Yeah. Uh, Arya Davari, uh, the Bollywood Boys, August Gray, and Kurt Stallion. These are all 205 Live wrestlers, so. Oh. Yeah. I think I I saw, like, if you look at the original roster of 205 Live, like the people who were present for the first episode – I think they're all gone except for Brian Kendrick, and he's a producer now. That makes sense. Yeah, it's been a complete turnover in like four years of that 205 live show. So, anyway, that's, yeah, you know, what are you going to do? Let's talk about AEW ratings real quick. Uh, If I can find it. Yes, okay. They did 552,000 viewers and a .2. 18 to 49, which is good, uh, which is better slightly than what they've been doing. They've been doing a point one nines, so they edged up a little bit. And the actual, the key to the rating, as Dave Meltzer says in the Wrestling Observer newsletter, was the Jake Hager versus Wardlow match did 731,000 viewers and a point two six, uh, which would be like kind of like an average quarter hour on a Wednesday night. Damn. Yeah. So people were really interested in that match. And I think it's just because it's, it was, you know, it's different. Yeah, it was really cool. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm glad people showed up to watch it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, that's the number there. And uh, let us get into Dynamite. This was next to last show at Daily's Place for the time being. And uh, Saturday Night Dynamite, we opened up with Alex Marvez, because, you know, no better way to start a hot episode of Dynamite than with Alex Marvez. Uh, <laughs> he's trying to interview Sammy Guevara, and uh, Sammy gets ambushed by Sean Spears and hit in the arm with a chair, which is debilitating. And I don't know how he's going to make it to his match on Wednesday. Uh, and Spears, uh, compliments of MJF. Good luck next week. And uh, because, of course, Sammy and MJF are wrestling on Wednesday. Yes. Yes. Uh, we opened up with Hangman Page versus Powerhouse Hobbs. Hangman gets the win with the Dead Eye. Uh, so switching it up, hitting it, using a different finisher than normal. He got uh, that big boy up for it too. He Damn. did get that big boy up for it. Uh, Hangman uh, was 
bleeding like crazy it's from his head at some point did you see what what happened there megan i thought it happened after they did one of the spots with the ring post but i didn't see where he i couldn't tell where his head was cut they kept saying like he's bleeding and i saw the red penetrate like his blonde hair but it wasn't it was in his the back of his head where he okay was cut. i was gonna say it wasn't like anywhere visible uh, yeah i don't know i don't know what actually happened though I hope he's okay, and you know it wasn't too big of a gash, but ooh. Yeah, uh, the big the big spots of the match, aside from the actual wrestling, was uh, Ricky Starks and Hook running out with the uh, FTW Championship. Jenny looked up for her phone at this point uh, when Hook in his arms appeared. <laughs> what? Nothing. I watched. No, I know you watched, but I was just I'm just saying you like you like the Hook, you like the Hook, and uh, <laughs> it brings you back. Yeah, <laughs> the brain cage ran outside and uh, like basically sent both those guys packing and he, he almost powerbombed Ricky Starks and Starks slipped away and immediately began to sell his neck. <laughs> yep, he pulled his jacket over his head. It was very like, the, I feel like Taz tried to make an excuse and say, oh, he, he's just he's just helping him get the belt back, <laughs> you know, to the back. And it's like Taz. Your boys are fighting. You can't make this make this better. And Hook is on the other side of the ring, just with his big old arms crossed, looking annoyed, like a angsty teenager. And uh, yes, yeah, so this did lead to uh, not directly to the finish, but it, uh, you know, it furthers furthers the uh, split of Team Taz. Did you see Adam's Chiron? He's hotter than Gucci. Yeah. I don't think he approved that because we had to Google what that meant, and it um, refers to. A drunk woman's vagina. And I don't think that Adam would approve of taking advantage and sexually assaulting drunk women. I'm pretty women. sure it's also you just a country it. song lyric. It is, but that's what it means. <laughs> okay, well, I I feel like he probably was like, I like this country song and not thinking about how it's a sexual assault on a drunk woman. But he's real woke. He could... <laughs> You can be woke and like Alan Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> it's rare, but the Venn diagrams could cross. We don't know. Uh, let's see. We had a video package uh, hyping Omega and Jungle Boy. This is a very good video package. They called back the history of Saturday Night Dynamite as the only other time we've had a Saturday Night Dynamite. Mr. Brody Lee captured the TNT championship from Cody, so... I think the implication thought, was maybe there's some magic in Saturday Night Dynamite with, when it comes to title matches. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was like an interesting stat to throw out there. I'm like, well, that's no offense, Mr. Brody Lee. That's a TNT championship. And we're talking AEW solid gold here. Um, but I did. I do appreciate that they really, really wanted us to believe Jungle Boy could win. Yeah. Uh, next up, Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler promo. And uh, Jenny mentioned to me we were kind of talking about dynamite and what how we thought of it and she said there was a lot of promos on this show there were and there were a lot of promos on the show this is a very talky show um uh matt pointed out that they are the they're now the longest reigning tag team champions in AEW history hmm. and i thought about it for like five seconds and thought yeah that sounds right um so they uh were basically they're just setting up their match for wednesday with Eddie Kingston and Penta, and uh, if they lose to them, they have to give them a title shot. Yep. 
Were you having trouble keeping track of what matches were tonight and what matches are Wednesday? I always have trouble with that. Um, yes. I, I thought until almost the end of the show that this tag match was tonight. Or was last night. I didn't think that, but just all the promos, I was kind of like, wait a minute. Which, and, and some of them were like for next, for Wednesday, and some of them were also like getting into the Road Rager. And then I believe yeah. Vicky had one for as far out as Fighter Fest Day 2. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is going on? What show is happening right now? <laughs> so. Yeah. We almost need to keep, like, like, like we used to do with, um, with NXT, when they would, when they would do the, when they would tape four weeks at a time. And it seemed like there would always, there would always be matches for, like, this is in a week and this is in three weeks and this, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah, because it's like, this is a match we definitely taped. And this is one that's, we have to push yeah. out. <laughs> right. Uh, next up, we had Telly Blanche more promos as it's uh, Tony Schiavone moderating a interview between Telly Blanchard and Conan. So this really piqued my curiosity to learn more about Santana and Ortiz's background. I want to know who kidnapped them and held them for ransom. Like, why are we not? Why have we not heard about any of this? Like, that would be the first thing I would promo on in my. Like, that sounds crazy and i also really like appreciated that like conan was trying to get some social issues out there too of like like a um the five times more likely to get incarcerated incarcerated like i i don't know i liked i liked that he played up kind of a traditional wrestling program but like with getting real shit in there yeah and i like that he did that and also it didn't feel ham-fisted because literally he's like, your two white Carolina boys are trying to tell me that they grew up in a rough, as rough a way as Santana and Ortiz. Uh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Just not going to happen. Come on. But I am concerned um, about Conan's stomach. There was a oh, big I, like, baseball I size. saw that and I knew Jenny was going to freak out. Oh, I hope he's okay. I don't think he would have allowed them to do that to him if he was in a physical state where he wasn't okay. I hope not. So yeah, uh, I thought I thought uh, Conan's promo especially was very strong, and I would not object to seeing more of him on Dynamite going forward. Yeah. Uh, if he could keep doing promos like that. If he like gives us background on Santana Ortiz that's as interesting as what he's alluding to, I'm all in for this. I thought he sh- well, I thought he shook Tully a little. Like, Tully... He stumbled at the beginning of his promo, and I'm like, yeah. oh, oh, Conan got in your head. <laughs> like, oh, shit. He did, and he did have the inside jab about, uh, about you better, you know, you better learn Spanish because if you want, if you want to be able to speak to your grandchildren, because uh, Tully's daughter, Tessa, is uh, married to uh, Luchador Daga, so, and they live in, they live in Mexico. I figured that was something to do with, I didn't know who Tessa was with, but I figured, like, all right, wrestling industry, she, she's probably come across. A luchador. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this was really good. And it broke down into uh, fisticuffs when uh, FTR sneak attacked Conan and uh, gave him the spike pile driver. Was they, any- they, they had already laid out Proud and Powerful backstage. So Was anybody, anybody convinced that the two men who walked out onto that stage were ever members of Proud and Powerful? Because, no. come no. on. But at least, at least they didn't, like... They didn't let it linger for too long before they unmasked. 
because that would have been more annoying if, if they really tried to sell it. Because I don't think they really tried to sell it. It was the body tops were nothing like Santana Ortiz. No. And also, like, since when? Since their debut, has Santana Ortiz come out full on, like, covered up face masks and like yeah. bandanas? I'm like, sir, you're not fooling me. Uh, next up, we had uh, Matt Sidal versus Dante Martin. and uh, But during Dante Martin's entrance, which was first, Vicky Guerrero interrupted and uh, screamed, excuse me, a bunch. Oh. And she brought out Andrade El Idolo. And he was wearing yet another fat suit. And, PH. Yeah, PH, obviously, yeah. And uh, she, he, she is getting in his way. He is <laughs> damn... Look Did him. you see him walk out like yeah. the swag? And he's oh my got god. his like, name in the lapels, uh, like on the it, oh my god, she is bringing him down. He needs to break away from her. It's true, and like Charlotte Flair, never been a huge fan, but good for you. Yeah, <laughs> Megan, I thought the same thing. <laughs> Whoa, big upgrade from Alberto Del Rio. Yeah. yeah. Ew. Yeah. I hate him. Yeah, yeah, me too. There's good reason to. Um, so they're about to, like, you know, they're about to kind of get into their thing. But, of course, like, a match is about to start. So Matt Seidel's music plays, and he and his brother Mike come out. And basically kind of punk out Andrade. So I have yeah. to think that, like, Seidel versus Andrade. I, I bet Seidel's going to be Andrade's first opponent. Which works for me, because I'm like, dude... Did you did you see this? I'm Matt Seidel. Respect you. You should get your entrance. And Vicky chose a super weird time to do this thing. But like, did you see who you just like bopped to the side? Come on. Yeah. So he kind of he kind of made uh, Andrade look like a punk there. And as Jenny said, noted, Vicky does not help. No. But if it's leading to like in a couple weeks, Andrade versus actually, you know what? Miami would probably be a really good market for that for that Andrade debut. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I'm sure that's what they're building for. Yeah. Miami will be his first match. Yeah. That's so a him, road- versus Side, him versus Seidel at Road Rager would probably make a lot of sense. Or I guess I guess Texas too, because because that's another like that would be another big Latino market. That would be more Mexican than Cuban. So maybe maybe the Texas shows make more sense. True. Those, those, those will be the two nights of Fighter Fest. Yeah. Anyway, either way, either way. Um, but then we got Matt Seidel versus Dante Martin, and. They had had a match on Dark a few weeks ago, and I guess, you know, Tony, Tony Khan must have really liked the way that went because he, he put them back against each other on a bigger platform. And I thought I thought they did a really good job. Like, you know, Seidel is Seidel. He's, you know, he's a, he's a pro. He's, he's you know, he's going to, he's always going to bring it. But Dante Martin looked really good. And his, I think his leaping ability really adds things to every move. Like that sunset mm-hmm. flip he did. Um, where he just like jumped up to the to the moon, uh, and uh, as, some, as somebody pointed out, he did a sunset. He did the highest sunset flip they've ever seen while the sun was setting behind him at Daily Place. <laughs> it was a, it was a very beautiful shot, um, and he did like this leaping stunner too. That was like his his uh, his hops are uh, out of control. He looks like he somehow manages to pause like at the apex of his his flipping and it's I don't it's magical it's like wow are you flying <laughs> he looked really good and I'm glad he was paired up against Matt Seidel because 
I they have the similar styles, but I think Seidel knows how to work with that. And so they both ended up, I mean, he made him look great. And, you know, obviously Dante Martin is talented on his own right, but I, I like this match a lot. I thought this was a fun match. Yeah. And uh, Seidel ended up getting the win with the lightning spiral, which if he is going to be Andrade's first opponent, he definitely should have won this match, so. Yes, I assume. He's, he's not being Andrade. As, as they said uh, during his entrance, Matt Seidel has as many years of experience as Dante Martin has been alive. 20. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I was like, right, yeah. good Lord. But, you know. And they had sportsmanship after the match. Like, they're both yeah. baby faces. Matt Seidel helped him up. And I'm sure that he probably could mentor but both Top Flight and this Dante Martin man if right. if they wanted. Because, come on. Great. Yeah. Uh, we go backstage, and Jungle Boy is talking about, you know, how this is the biggest night of his career and biggest match of his career. And and uh, Christian Cage comes up, and he kind of tries to give him a little pep talk. And and I, I don't know about you, Megan, but my my WWE uh, brain rot alarm went off, and I thought, oh no, Christian's going to turn on <laughs> Jungle yeah. Boy. Oh yeah, um, and of course that did not happen uh, because this is not WWE, and I need to like I need to remember that. But uh, yeah, it was just it was just like you know two baby faces being nice to each other and uh, being friends. Yeah, it was so sweet, and I agree oh. with you. I was just waiting for Christian to clap him on the back and then be like die and like slam his head <laughs> into the lockers that were they were standing right next to. But yeah. I'm glad they didn't and. Christian gave him like a pep talk and everything. And he said, you know, Kenny's underestimating you. You shouldn't be happy for this. You should be pissed that like he's not more afraid. And and then he gave him like a little nod of approval and was like, go out there and get it, man. It was very sweet. Yeah. Uh, next up, we had Jade Cargill with Mark Sterling. And uh... <laughs> the monetization of the marketing multiverse. Andy. Yes. Yes. The monetization of the marketing multiverse. Uh, 10% off uh, at Shop AEW with code that be. Don't forget, uh, Mark Sterling did go on Twitter and he said that the uh, the double XLs are back in stock. So thank God. Uh, in case you were worried, you're out. Which there. is so funny because like everybody knows that that pro wrestling tees is a, is a like made to order uh, like printer. So yeah, it says it on every page. It's just yeah. like make sure you pick because you cannot return this. Uh, um, but, uh, oh, and then, but then they were kind of like, they were talking, they were using a Dark Order t-shirt as an example of, like, an inferior product you might find at Shop AEW <laughs> versus the new Jade Cargill That Bitch shirt, and, uh, Sterling, like, tried to rip it, and he wouldn't go, and then so Jade was like, just give me that, and then, like, but she didn't do anything with it, so I thought, oh, I thought she was gonna rip it, but then at the end of the promo, she fucking tore it in half, like, it was nothing. Yeah, yeah. way better than Mike Tyson. Way better than Mike Tyson. And then I saw this, I forget who said it on Twitter, and I would love to be able to give them credit, but but uh, they did say, like, you know, I love, uh, oh, it was Alan Cunahan. Alan Cunahan said um, that I love that, like, stuff on AEW where you see a thing where Jade Cargill rips a Dark Order shirt in half, and then you know that, like, six months from now, they're going to call back to it when she's feuding with Anna Jay or something. Oh, yeah, like, that'll be so good. Know, 
Yeah, so, like, because you could see them, like, actually thinking about planting that seed, you know? Yeah, because, like, who's who's sure are you going to rip? You have to pick yeah. someone. Exactly, yeah. Uh, we had the Pinnacle, the rest of them, not the... Uh, I mean, it was MJF, Wardlow, and Spears, not FDR. Uh, they were with Marvez, and uh, they talked about, uh, you know, his attack on Jericho, and MJF's attack on Jericho, and Spears' attack on Guevara. And then they talked about Dean Malenko, and he didn't understand the big deal, like because you know he's an old guy who has a bad heart and Parkinson's. He shouldn't be out there anyway. And MJF said the fans should be thanking him because he gave Malenko an early retirement. And then uh, Jericho and Hager ran in, and uh, and then they just started brawling all over the place. They went out to the ring. Pinnacle uh, did, of course, have the numbers advantage. They eventually took control. And MJF was about to wreck Jericho's arm with the chair. Uh, or sorry, Spears was about to wreck Jericho's arm with the chair. But he was stopped because he still has WWE brain rot. He was stopped by entrance music. Because <laughs> when you hear that entrance music, you have to, you have to stop what you're doing. But uh, Sammy Guevara, entrance music hit. He ran out. He cleaned house. He cut a, he cut a great promo on uh, MJF. He said that, like, on Wednesday... We're all going to see that they were wrong to, to like you know put all the marketing behind you, put the action figures behind you, put the posters behind you. I'm the guy. I agree with that. <laughs> of course you do. And uh, it's it's been interesting the last few like really since War Game or blood, sorry Blood and Guts uh, that have you noticed Megan that it seems like the emphasis in the Earn Circle has really shifted from Jericho to Sammy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's their, not leader, but he's their babyface dream, you know? Like, like yeah. Jericho got them there, but Jericho's going to retire at some point. And if nothing else, he's not capable of putting on the same type of match as Sammy is. So you got to get somebody front and center. And pretty much everyone else in the inner circle is kind of paired up. Like, he and Jake are a unit now. And obviously, Proud and Powerful came in as a team, and they're staying a team so sammy sammy needs to lead the charge on one-on-one wrestling yeah i was i'm just impressed that they've actually like gone so hard with it yeah i'm i'm glad like good for sammy i feel like he's had quite a story arc here and i'm glad he's coming out of it on the other side like better off than he started yeah uh next up miro Preach this prosperity gospel. <laughs> thank God for my hot wife. <laughs> so, you know, he's like, thank God for, you know, his power. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he cut a promo on Brian Pillman Jr. And uh, basically said, you were in the you were in the path of a righteous man, and that is not a good place to be. He's and, God's uh, favorite champion. Andy. He is God's favorite champion. And uh, and so next Wednesday, I think, little Brian Pillman Jr. is in a, in a whole heap of trouble. Oh, watch out. Pillman Jr. Uh, next up, we have Ethan Page with Scorpio Sky versus Bear Bronson with Bear Boulder. Ethan got the win after a long time. <laughs> this yeah. match went over 10 minutes. I was going to say, when we went to Picture in Picture, I thought, why? Why? Yeah. Um, Bear Bronson reminds me of Tucker Knight. Yes. Yeah, okay. I'm glad you agree. Uh, the match was fine, but it didn't need to be this long. I and honestly, I don't care about 
the bear cubs. Like, if you're not a folk group, I don't care about you. <laughs> and honestly, Ethan Page needs to get out of Scorpio's way. Like, I, I don't understand why Scorpio's, like, connected with another guy. Let Scorpio be his own singles guy, and let me see him wrestle on skinny black jeans, and that's it. I have no interest in seeing any of this. I think this is the closest you're going to get at that skinny dream because the two, I I got to say, I'm the opposite. The two of them are brilliant together. I love their entrance video where they're like, it's like a magazine cover or like spread or whatever. I love that Scorpio like danced out there with Ethan Page all dressed like in his casual, but like I tried, not casual, <laughs> casual. And just and that after the match he came up and was like this is my boy and then like gave him the mic like i don't know i think if they were gonna stick scorpio with anyone like they've found a magical beautiful mix with ethan page i i think they're vibing that's all i'm saying <laughs> like they work well together i like it too um anyway after the match uh the, the finish was cool he, he lifted Bear Bronson off of the top turnbuckle and and held him up there for a long time and hit the hit his ego's edge finisher and uh, he's very strong clearly yeah I was like oh no not another big boy up there but he just he walked him to the center of the ring very calmly he didn't even and hurry chucked him yeah yeah it was pretty cool uh, then he said after the match he cut a promo and he challenged Darby Allen to uh, road a match for Road Rager July seventh. Uh, it is going to be a coffin match. Yeah, I um, I was like wondering if Ethan Page is basically saying he needs to murder Darby to really get past <laughs> his issue with him because he he said it's not enough to pin you. I really need to end you, and I'm just wondering, is this going to turn into Lucha Underground? <laughs> are we going to murder Darby? I mean, I mean, we're gonna, I think we're going to find out. If it is Lucha Underground, if, if the deaths are uh, final in, in AEW. And what um, what does a um does a coffin match just mean like you win by putting them in a coffin? Is there any other aspect to that or? So that's what a WWE coffin match has always been. Like um, once they're in, that's it. Yeah, you like you have to be in and you have to like shut the lid, and that's and, and then you win. Well, I think okay. we know how Darby's gonna shut the lid. Coffin drop onto the coffin lid, shut it. That'd be an interesting angle he'd have to hit to do that. Yeah, he'd have to fly in from the side. <laughs> Our friend Dave, uh, who was over last night watching the show with us, he he I think he he thinks he predicted he has come up with a finish for this match. Uh, he thinks that what is gonna happen is Darby is going to attempt the coffin drop onto the coffin, like like Ethan Page will be on the coffin and Ethan Page will get out of the way, and then Darby will crash into the coffin and then Ethan Page will shuffle it on him. Hmm. But I think Darby's going to win this. Yeah, Darby will win it. Darby lost the handicap match. Yeah. And it's kind of like Ethan Page just proposed a fight on Darby's turf. Like, you want to fight the goth kid with a coffin? I I don't know. It just seems like you're inviting a loss here, Ethan. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Next up, we had Britt Baker and Rebel... Uh, talking about how stupid Vicky Guerrero is for having a favor from Tony Khan and using it to get a wrestling match. <laughs> I mean, they made good points. <laughs> I cannot disagree with them. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, the, their their point was they could have like you know could have like gotten a yacht 
or a, or a plane or a football team, uh, which I don't like, know about that, but. Uh, I mean, Tony's not just trying to get rid of the football team he has. Like, <laughs> he, he doesn't just have football teams, but yeah, I I feel like. I feel like Britt spoke for all of us, and I really, really appreciated that because she wasn't in any way taking Vicky's challenge seriously, and that's just that's just the natural reaction. Like, of course she wouldn't take the challenge seriously. Vicky is not a wrestler, and I mean, Nyla is, obviously, but, like, why would you challenge Britt and Rebel? Because... Rebel's more of a wrestler than Vicky is, you know? If we're looking at just yes. the math on this one. And, and so we also learned, I don't know if we learned it right here, but we, yeah, we learned in the next segment that Nyla's already got her title shot. Like, like there's a date for that now. We know when that title shot is happening. So it's not even like this is helping her to get the title match, you know? Yeah, I, I think Vicky said, like, oh, well, this tag team match, like, by winning it, will show you that Nyla deserves the shot she got. But, you know, who cares? You don't have to do anything to prove she got a shot. Like, let her, if she's going to win, she's going to win, you know? Yeah, I don't like this whole thing. It was dumb. Um, and, yeah, so, like, the next segment was uh, Vicky and Nyla and just saying, like, their title shot is coming on night two of Fighter Fest, which I think is the 21st of July. Uh... Yes, it would be like the last. Oh no! It, yeah, no, it would be the last July, Wednesday yeah. in July, right? Because isn't July all booked up with? Oh, fight for the fallen is the last one. Okay, sorry, you're right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, we had Chris Statlander with Orange Cassidy versus The Bunny with The Blade, and uh, this was another one that went a curiously long time. <laughs> but <laughs> but you know, I guess it was, it was the one women's match of the night, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I was more behind this one getting time than the Ethan Page Bear Country one, just because I feel like both of these people are regularly on Dynamite and I care about their stories. Um, but yeah, we we had another segment where we got a commercial break and picture in picture, and I was like, really? Why? I, I want to watch this match, but I don't want to watch picture in picture. <laughs> so. I just feel like we're getting into a rut again. With the, with the women's matches. Like, I, I think it could be better than The Bunny and Chris Statlander. Like, I think both of them just, it's kind of lackluster, in my opinion. Like, I like Chris Statlander's character. I like her. I think it's fun that she's now paired with the best friends. But I think she's a little slow in the ring. And I don't think The Bunny's very talented. Like, she's fine. She's okay. But, like, it's just... There's there's no excitement in this match, in my opinion. I I really like Chris Statlander, and I thought before she had her injury, she was being, like, set up to be something really big. And I kind of wanted her to get back to that, but I do understand why if she's moving a little slow, it's because she's, you know, she's still, like, fresh off that rehab. So I think I she's hope, probably still recovering a bit. Yeah, I hope she, she can get there because I think they... They view her as a star, and, like, I do, too, you know, pre-injury. So if we can move her in that direction, I think, great. Um, but, yeah, as far as the bunny, I don't dislike the bunny. I just don't really know what, you know, really wrestling-wise she's she's doing here. But, you know, the the women's division needs 
people and it needs matches and I think it would help if we had more than just one women's match per dynamite. <laughs> I agree. So. I agree. And and you know, maybe if your talent isn't ready for like these long matches, maybe you do two shorter women's matches. Yeah. Last week there was just no energy in this match. Yeah. Last week they did uh, I think the women's match last week was Penelope Ford versus Julia Hart. Yeah. And again, that was the only women's match on the show, but it only lasted like six minutes. Um so I don't know. Like, yeah. I right. think you need two women's matches, but keep them a little bit shorter so they don't kind of fizzle out as much. Especially with the, with the less yeah. with the less experience. Yeah. yeah, if you're trying to bring if you're trying to get less experienced people into the mix and get them going, I I'm all for that, but like Me too. don't make them wrestle like fifteen minute matches. Yeah. And those picture in picture matches, like it's just I am so happy to be getting back to the UK because honestly, guys, your picture in picture in America sucks. Like, <laughs> I it's not I have never, quality. Never more appreciated the fact that they don't cut away in the UK and it's just like full screen. And sometimes the announce team gets a little cheeky with their like, only Europe can hear us now. <laughs> like, like what they say. But um, I truly missed it this time around, and I could do without TNT's commercial breaks. Um, so yeah, so Statlander did end up winning. She had the Big Bang Theory. Uh, after the match, uh, the Blade attacked Orange Cassidy, and the Hybrid Two came out to help. And there's a whole Hardy family office beat down. And uh, they actually did. They set up a really good spot. I will say this: the Blade threw uh, brass knuckles into the ring for the Bunny to use on Chris Statlander. But that's when Orange Cassidy saw this, and he got in and took the breast of his way, and he put him in his pocket. So after the match, when the Hardy family office jumped in, the Blade knew exactly where those knuckles were. He pulled them out of a restrained Orange's pocket and just knocked him the fuck out with a with a with a shot from the knucks. So I thought that was actually really clever. That was very good storytelling. Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. I, I thought that was cool. And they and they made sure that we knew that. Uh, Chuck Taylor was was at the hospital with Trent, so he couldn't tell. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, just gonna stay there for a year and he's just gonna chill out. Chuck Taylor has given up his apartment. He will now be stationed bedside with Trent. He's got nothing to live for now. The 76ers are out of the playoffs anyway. So, oh gosh. Uh. Anyway, so yeah, so uh, the Hardy family office. Uh, uh, best friends thing, uh, best friends thing seems to continue to to go on. I wouldn't mind seeing Jack Evans versus uh, Orange Cassidy in a singles match. That'd, that'd be all right with me. Not at all. Yeah, bring that. Make that so. You know. Uh, QT Marshall was interviewed by Tony Schiavone. He was pissed. He was pissed. That, pissed uh, as always. That Brock Anderson was named wrestler of the week last week. Wait, who votes? Where is that a thing? Uh, like on AEW social media, it comes out every every week after Dynamite. Like, okay. It was the wrestler of the week, um, okay. and it was it was in fact Brock Anderson last week, and uh, QT, you know, he, he basically it was basically like QT saying like, ah, oh, you know, whatever, I'm gonna, I've got to I've got to wrestle Cody at Road Rager in a strap match just to remind us that that was happening. So they're having a strap match and a coffin match on that show. I wonder how many gimmicks they can fit in, you know? What if they just build the whole show around, here's, here's a bunch of gimmick matches? 
Maybe like like a like a WWE Extreme Rules pay per view. There's every match is a different stipulation. Yeah, they can do that. I mean, it's I a road rager. Yeah, I think they do want it to be a really big show since it's the first one back on the road. True, but you're gonna exhaust your audience if if everything's a rager. So, uh, did you happen to listen to QT's unrestricted episode that was released this week? Uh, either of you. No, it's still on. It's still on my backlog. It was it any good? Um. Yeah, I feel like I don't connect with QT the same way I connect <laughs> with other people when I hear them talk in real life. Because I don't know, he just he's a little rough around the edges for me. Um, but that's just me, and I I recognize. I'm just like, oh well, that's probably some my own internal biases. But I don't know. He just didn't charm me the way other people do. Oh. But he, he seems like he works really hard, and I don't know if he was leaning into the gimmick of, like, everybody thinks I'm Cody's friends or friend, right. and that's the only reason. And part of me was like, yes, sympathetic, but also, like, I'm tired of hearing about it. So. He is, I mean, he is clearly, if nothing else, he's a very good trainer. Yeah, and I think he deserves the credit for that. And And he said he was hired on initially only as Cody's, like, assistant, like, mm-hmm. full on, and then he was the one who pushed to wrestle and Cody was like, but I hired you for this one thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, is he still Cody's assistant? Yeah. Yeah, I okay. believe he does all the, um, I mean, because, yeah, primarily his his job is backstage stuff. And he does really well with it, it sounds like. But he, I think, had a different vision than Cody did for that relationship. So it was interesting. I just, I was just like, oh, I didn't come away from this as charmed as I did other people. <laughs> yeah, he had a Conan Sonia vision so, of, of their relationship and uh he's not as charming as she is it's true sona's great uh next up we had brian pillman jr got another promo you were right jenny this, this is heavy promo promo heavy show uh brian pillman jr uh you know says miro's got a god complex and uh he's gonna check miro's ego on Wednesday nights and uh, win that TNT title. Good luck, buddy. I love his enthusiasm. Do you I love don't... his mullet? No. Okay. <laughs> it's so intense. I love what he's doing with it because I know that's part of his character, but man, if he was not a wrestler, I'd be like, sir, what? Um, what's with the hair? You know? Yeah. Just cut it off. Uh, next up, we got our we did we got our lineup for uh, the June thirtieth Dynamite, which I imagine they're going to have to add a match to because it's only four matches, and that show is in like three days from now from as we're, as we're talking because it's such a shorter turnaround. Um, uh, but we've got Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and the Rebel versus Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero. Oh, I did notice that Vicky referred to Rebel as Reba also, so, so which I thought was funny because I thought the gimmick was that everybody else called her. Your correct name. Yes, but I guess Vicky has just as much lack of respect for her as Britt did <laughs> initially. So. Uh, for the TNT Championship, we got Miro defending against Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, MJF versus Sammy Guevara. I believe that's the big promoted main event. And that is like that is legitimately a big match, you know, the big because yeah. those two have never wrestled each other one on one. And the Young Bucks versus Eddie Kingston and Penta El Cerro Miedo and course if Kingston and Penta win they get a tag team title shot what do you guys think do you think that that is worth revisiting like is this is this one where you can see the challengers winning and then losing in that title match down the road 
Not with Eddie Kingston and Penta. Okay. If it was... Phoenix and Penta? Yeah. Or even Pac and Phoenix. Mm. I I could see a different combo winning, but not Eddie and Penta. I did read that Phoenix was backstage uh, yesterday. Ooh. Is so, he... I hope he's doing okay. I think he's okay. I think, yeah, I think maybe we might see his return this Wednesday uh, in support of his brother. That would be great. I I guess I went the other way from Jenny and thought, yeah, like I could see these two legitimately getting a shot, but not winning. You know, I don't think yeah, anybody is. Uh, oh, I I think so. They haven't set up. They said the first match is not a title shot. They have to win the first match. Uh, I think the they match. will win the first okay. match, but lose the second shot. Yeah. Match. I'm sorry. I thought you meant getting the title. No. Oh, okay. Then, yes, I think they will win, but not get the title. Yeah, because I thought I, you were asking if the title would change hands. I think I they're both legit enough, and they want to push them enough to say, like, oh, you're able to beat champions, but you're not quite able to beat them when it's time, you know? Right. Or, like, the Bucks will do something um, to, to keep it from happening. And it's a long way from, from now until All Out, so they've got to... They gotta have like some title defenses in between there, so they might as well might as well be against this team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, I did. I love that we got a Penta says from Alex Albertantes. It's been a while. He didn't say it the way that I'd like him to say it, though. He did. He just, he just <laughs> kind of said it like a normal guy would say a sentence. He didn't say Penta says and then say the thing. But uh, yeah, I was a little disappointed. I was excited when I saw him. Yeah. Okay. So I guess. You're right, but also he's around, so maybe he'll. Yeah. That just means he's back for this gimmick. Yeah, I wonder if he's. I wonder if Pac doesn't like him. I wonder if that's why he's not around when, when it's death triangle times. No, it's not death quadrangle. Get out yeah. of here. Uh, okay, we go to our main event. It is for the AEW World Championship. Kenny Omega, the champion of champions, he got all the belts. Defending nope, against like Jungle Boy. Everybody comes out with their crews, uh, but Marco Stunt causes a big scene in the ring for some reason. Uh, maybe he hadn't gotten, like, somebody needed to get him a fruit snack or a juice box. He, you know. he had low blood sugar. Low blood sugar. Freaking yeah, out. Right. He's, he's throwing a little temper tantrum. Uh, but it was okay because he, he, he and Luchasaurus got kicked out, but so did the good brothers and Don Callis. So yeah. everybody got, got removed from ringside. I feel like Luchasaurus didn't get kicked out because he's a mature adult man. He just was like, come on, Marco. We'll, we'll yeah. take care of you. <laughs> Maybe yeah. that was it, yeah. But everybody left, and then Don Callis joined uh, joined the commentary desk, which uh, he, he referred to them as, uh, he referred to the commentary team as two and a half men. Sorry, Giovanni. <laughs> My God. And Tony's like, it's okay. Go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we had this world title match main event and Megan at any point did you believe that Jungle Boy was going to become AEW world champion was there a moment where maybe you bit in a little bit to a near fall or to like one of the snare traps yes yes okay. towards the end I was like oh but they can't they won't they won't take that title away from him but like come on give it to Jungle Boy he's got his new gear on his cool purple attire he's killing it with the wrestling and nobody kicks out of the snare trap and i think technically nobody still does except for cheating so that's good that they preserve that but i was like come on jungle boy his sister even took out her dreads 
I didn't know she had dreads. The last time she was there, she had wicked dreads. Oh, okay. I I did really like the touch of having his family there because when he didn't win and he was just laying on the ground, they cut to his mom and she just had like her hand over her mouth and she looked like she was going to cry. And I'm like, mom, he's okay. He's alive in the ring. He's breathing. His mom did a really good job of selling that though. And not like, you know, she, she looked, she looked very sad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was cute. Yeah. I loved this. I thought it was really fun. I thought it was it was excellently wrestled. I I didn't ever quite believe he was actually going to win even though I really wanted him to win. I uh I I didn't have that moment. But Look, if if you hook me up to a polygraph and ask me if I legitimately thought he was going to win, it's going to be a no. But I was there was <laughs> a part no of me, me that <laughs> yeah, there was a part of me that was like, look how close he's getting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what if we could push it over the edge? This was I thought this was legitimately one of the best matches at AEW all year, though. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's why I was pissed. We had a stupid picture-in-picture commercial break. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't slow down. They just like did all these like crazy moves during oh, the picture yeah. in picture, yeah. but I can never pay attention. I tried extra hard to pay attention to these because I knew they were still like going hard, but like it was hard. Yeah. <laughs> it was difficult. Uh this yeah, this is a great match. I think this is one of those matches where Jungle Boy is definitely gonna gain more by not not gain more than he would have by winning, but he's he's coming out of it better even in losing. Do you yeah. think Belt. Well, I guess they're going to give Miro. Wait, Miro has the belt. The, I was going to say, do you think they're finally going to give like Jungle Boy a belt? Not this belt, but like the lesser belt. I could see him maybe being the guy who beats Miro, like when it's time for that. Yeah, I think for the love of God, like he's earned it. Give yes. him the belt, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like I could maybe see him and Luchasaurus winning the tag titles. Maybe. I, I'm not building that at all, though. I yeah. would love for Jungle Boy to get the TNT title, and then down the road, I don't know how far in the future, but far enough that we've gotten past the Adam Kenny thing, and Adam's had a successful run with his belt, then maybe get Jungle Boy into the mix. Because um, I definitely don't think in the short term, like, if they're doing the Adam Kenny thing, no matter who comes out of that with the belt, I don't think that they should take it away immediately. <laughs> By giving right, it to Jungle yeah. Boy. They but won't. I, the next person who's get So Adam's going to get the belt next. Oh. The big belt. And then it's going to be MJF. Okay. You know that's how they're like revving up to get it after Adam. Jenny, Jenny's got a plan for it. I just, I didn't look that far ahead. I was looking as far ahead as saying like, Jungle Boy should one day get the belt probably. But it's, his opponents are not here in, in this mix right now like it has to be further down so i i feel like he should get the tnt title though and miro has to lose to someone he can't just live with the belt forever yeah i I think he shouldn't lose it soon no 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 he should keep it for a while but i just i think jungle boy is not getting that big belt for years down the line but i think maybe the tnt is doable within a year jungle boy is 24 years old which god such a child (laughs) So he has plenty of time to to get that big belt. But yeah, give him a TNT shot, you know? Give him a win because they keep setting him up with these things. I, I need a match where he actually comes away with the gold, 
instead of just being the hot baby face that comes in and then loses to the to show how much the reigning champ is really good at what they do. Yeah. But as far as the way this came off, I thought it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm so I, glad that they waited for this Saturday night, 8 o'clock time slot live instead of... Because we knew it originally... It was originally going to be on one of the Friday 10 p.m. shows, right? Yes. Yeah, which would have been real bad. Like, what a oh. waste. Because I'm sure... Yeah. I, I bet this was going to end up doing a good number even on Saturday night, so... I would hope so. I think overall, we predicted that the Saturday night show was going to do better ratings anyway. But yeah, like I would hope this would draw people in for this quarter hour or whatever it is. Um, Because it's a compelling match. For sure. Uh, Then afterwards, uh, it was kind of looking like Kenny was going to attack Jungle Boy further, which is just mean. Like, you beat the guy. Leave him alone. Leave him alone, Kenny. Uh, But Christian Cage comes out and... uh, Sends Kenny packing, and then Matt Hardy and Private Party come out and they attack Christian. And uh, Matt goes to the twist of fate. Christian uh, counters into a kill switch, but before he can execute the kill switch, the Young Bucks are out and they super kick Christian. Uh, Matt hits the twist of fate, so that's like that's like three. I think that's is that three dynamites in a row that or no three out of four because last week they just trapped him in a literal cage, um, but. But he's he's gotten the, the bad end of it with Matt Hardy almost every time. He has. Now, what I would have preferred is if they tack this onto the end of literally any other match. <laughs> I think that this was a stupid way to end after all that hype. And it's like, here's a mid-card match that we're still really on about. It's like, I just saw a great match and was so high off the energy of that. and And you take away their kind of moment by... Yeah. shoehorning in this feud that arguably could wait till next week. So, <laughs> you know, like, Megan, so go ahead. I was going to say, I don't understand why we can't just end it with the end of a great match. Just let, let us just soak that in and let that be the end. Like, why does it always have to be just, you know, chaos and all these other, like, just, just let it end sometimes. Less is more sometimes. Yeah. Megan, I do not disagree with you, and Jenny, I do not disagree with you, but I do think, because the very end of the show was Kenny Omega, like, you know, posing with the belt, and he did have physicality with Christian, here's what I think the roadmap is. You do Christian versus Matt Hardy at one of these July shows, and Christian beats him clean, and you use that that to springboard Christian to a title match with Omega at one of the August Dynamites. Okay, I just again like. I, no, I, I'm not. I don't think. Yeah, they could have done it at a different part of the show, but I, I think, I think it's not just setting up a mid card match. I think it's setting up Kenny's next title match. Okay, well then I guess if they were going to do that, I would say I just don't like that they stepped on Jungle Boy's moment. <laughs> like that, that is the heart of where my complaint lies. Is that he didn't win. He got his moment. He put on a great match. And then we, I totally get your connections and they make total sense, way more sense than I was giving them credit to. Uh, as far as like when I watched this, I was like, God damn it, we're doing this again. Um, so it makes sense what you've outlined and you're right. I just still really feel for the moment getting kind of taken away. Like he did, it's kind of like 
and I know you're going to hate this, Jenny, but when Ronda debuted after Asuka won the title belt and it was suddenly like, cool, you got to get out. You got your moment. Like, now we've got something else going on. And it's like, why couldn't you just let that breathe? Like, couldn't I, you just I, do this some other time? <laughs> like, I know exactly what you're talking about, Megan, yeah. But I thought a, a very fun, easy to watch dynamite overall. I'm sorry you had to deal with the picture in picture. Like, it's okay. This is why I'm leaving the country and never coming back. Yeah, well, I don't blame you. Uh, so uh, we'll be back. God, I guess Thursday. It'll be it'll be a short uh, short porch this week. Uh, we're officially before. back on schedule, though. Like this we're, is. Yeah, we're back on schedule. There's no more out of sequence dynamites uh, on the horizon because the NBA playoffs are off of TNT at this point. So. Okay. Well, that's yeah. good to know. Short turnaround, but at least I can not have to think too hard about when I'm supposed to watch this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You just take a couple weeks to readjust back to Wednesdays. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks everybody for listening. For uh, Megan and for Jenny, I'm Andy, and this has been the Elite Beat. E Elite Beat. E E Elite Beat. <laughs>